0: Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service
1: at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here.
0: They're not using just weights and measures.
1: He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Read your Bible is interpreted by experts.
0: Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying.
1: What up, Ben Shalom? Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show, Uh, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts. And Theology Matters. My name is Caleb Hegg. With me, of course, is Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, brother? Bukhim
0: habaim.
1: Bukhim habaim.
0: Yes. Welcome all who, one and all. One and all, yes. I'm doing well. It's snowing again here in Spokane. And they say we're, we might get another three to five inches like tonight. Ooh! <laughs> you know, it's really pretty. The sun comes out occasionally. And we get the nice, beautiful uplift of vitamin d i I really dig that but boy shovel and snow i already broke one snow shovel this winter so and i broke I, i was shoveling with a metal you know we had ice and so i'm out there going and i got to the edge of the concrete and i went and i'm like oh crud that was a sprinkler head oh no so i broke a sprinkler head that i can't even really investigate till spring (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, it's just, you know, first world problems. No worries. Yep, that's
1: right. Well, uh it snowed here about I don't know, 2 inches a couple days ago, and the news, my radio station I listen to all the time is news. It was like 24-hour coverage of the storm. It wasn't even a storm, it was like a light sprinkling. And you know, the the news is freaking out. It's pretty funny actually. Um, yeah, so we're starting at 930 and I think this will probably be a a theme for us for the next couple of weeks until uh, until the Lord gives Rob a a new car. Um, and so, uh,
0: the car car that I would normally be driving, well, the heater core went out and it's like (laughs) to get to it, Ford made, this is a, it's a, what year is it? A 90, mid nineties, um, Taurus. And to get to the heater core, which is because it, it leaks when you put fluid in, you have to take all the the dashboard out and all this stuff just to get this to this little part. So anyway, it's piled in snow right now. Anyway, so even if it ran, <laughs> there's no plus the 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 plow. You know the the city plow has gone by a couple times, so that that car is not going anywhere until spring. <laughs> All well, right. On. Enough about enough about my woes. They're yes, exactly. Woes. I have the joy of the Lord. Joy of the Lord is my strength.
1: Yeah. We. we how's it been, man? I, past week, you know, I got to say, I've been uh, I've been rather discouraged uh, with some of the I don't know. There's been we've been so busy at Torah Resource uh, trying to get different things switched over. We finally got the Torah Resource radio site switched over to the site to the regular Torah Resource site. Uh, We made a bunch of landing pages. We got the library pretty much up and running, even though there's stuff that needs to be added. And there will be stuff added continually. Uh, And the next big project now is to uh, take all of our videos and put them in the teachings too. So that's part of the library.
0: Very cool. We
1: just got so much going on. I feel – you know, I was telling Rob earlier, I feel very uh, unprepared for this show. Luckily, it tends to happen that when I have a – Happily. Yes, when Rappily. I when, when I have a week where uh, where I'm not prepared, Rob, it's like the one week a year that uh, Rob
0: prepares. This is the one. This is the one week. Yeah, of exactly.
1: The year. Um, so I got uh, confirmation from my father that uh, if we would like to have Brant Petrie on, if he will agree to come on for our Passover special this year, uh, we can have him on and get his perspective on the different chronologies of the uh, uh, of the Passover uh, Seder. Now, you know, I'm I'm almost finished with his book i've been reading it now for months um in my defense i haven't been reading it straight through i've been reading you know you know a little bit here a couple of 10 pages here and then i'll put it down and i'll read something else you know i'll be so i got like five books going all at the same time his book is 517 pages long so i mean it's not it's not a small small little book but uh it's been interesting there's some things that I certainly disagree with heavily, obviously because he's a uh, Roman Catholic.
0: Anyway, um, all right. Well. well, you're right. You're looking at the same. Here's here's a good uh, way to think of this. Is that this is how we interact with with the larger world of scholar biblical scholarship? Is why we value going to um, you know the, the conferences and things like that. Is because. The data is there. The, the the data is there, but the frame of reference, our frames, are different. So, in other words, the same data in Doctor Petrie's uh, worldview is it. Uh, it can be the same data, Caleb, that you're uh, looking at for your thesis, but your your Hashkafa. Uh, <laughs> no, your your uh, your frame, <laughs> the frame that you're using, is. Uh, different. And so you're going to interpret that data differently. And, uh, what's so wonderful about, uh, you know, a place where we have ideally free speech and we set up these kind of conferences where people who are coming to the same data with different frames can try to, um, civilly argue why our frame is, you know, more profitable than your frame, for example. So, uh, Learning to do that is another skill set, though, right? We don't just like with any skill; it takes time, and it's you the, have to stick with it.
1: It's the pink glasses to the ro- to to the green glasses. We're looking I at this.
0: Just a head note: I posted in the for those who are listening through the chat room. I posted the link, and if you haven't already, with, that Caleb put up this morning for today's uh, the handout. It's a five pager. So once we get to this topic, we won't get there for a while. I think Caleb has some other things that we're going to talk about first. But you might now get it and even print it out because it's – we're going to spend some time on that. Yeah, and uh, it's in your show notes. Those of you
1: who get the show notes, I've noticed that we have 97 people getting show notes now. We're, and we're, can you believe this? We're coming up on 950 subscribers on our YouTube channel. That blows my mind. Um, anyway. After today,
0: maybe some of those guys will leave. Who knows? We'll see.
1: Anyway, if you're if you are looking for it, you can also if you're watching this later on YouTube or uh, you're listening on iTunes or so- something like that, then uh, you can go to our Facebook page, which is uh, which is what, Facebook.com backslash the Robin Caleb Show or is it just Robin Caleb Show? I suppose I should know this. You can also go to uh Tor resource and find the uh, uh, under radio uh, under the radio tab. Go down to Robin Caleb. I'll post it there. Um, let's see here. I'm sorry. I should know this these are things that I should know. It is facebook.com backslash Rob and Caleb show. There you go. All right, everybody. Um, Well, let's get to it then. I don't know. You know, we haven't played many uh, sound effects recently, which is fine. I always always think it's fun to do that though. Maybe at some point today we'll get, get around to it. Uh, But let's not dilly dally. Okay. Let's, let's get on to uh, more important things. Okay. So uh, by the way, somebody asked the question. I don't know if you saw this. This is in reference to our segment last week on Titus. Uh, they said, uh, can you give the reference to the church father you mentioned teaching that Titus eventually got circumcised?
0: Oh, yeah. I, I don't have it. I can uh, find it. I'll probably need Next week, me. maybe. Yeah, next week. Yeah.
1: Not a problem. Okay, so then uh, let's move on. John Piper, uh, I, Rob found this, or somebody sent this to us. I'm sorry. Somebody sent this to us. This teaching was
0: presented on October. 6th. One of 6th. our friends up north in the Great White North sent it.
1: That's right, uh, October sixth, nineteen eighty-five. I was. Oh, that's how long ago that was. Yeah, I was. I was. I four... thought his. I thought his voice
0: sounded a little youthful.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> compared to
0: well, that's, compared to. That's when... why I found the date is I was like, dude, how old is he here? It's like this guy's a young preacher. So to be fair, I'm glad you. I'm glad you uh, chased that uh, little nugget down for us, Caleb, because that does. Uh, give us some.
1: However, this is an argument that I've heard a lot of times, and uh, we'll we'll just we'll listen to it real quick. Uh, so, I was four years old when when he preached this. Uh, he's preaching now on Exodus twenty-one. Uh, that is twenty, verse one through eleven. Let's go there real quick. Exodus twenty, verses one through eleven. Now he's already read this and had somebody read it for him. This is what one of his conclusions is. This, uh, this is only 34 seconds long. I'm sure those of us who have been in the Messianic and Hebrew Roots world for any amount of time, talking to our Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord, I'm sure that we probably have heard this same kind of argument. It's just, unfortunately, I, you know, I, I love Piper, but I, I, it's discouraging his uh, his views of of, the, of certain parts of the Torah, the Sabbath being one of them.
0: Make it one day out of seven. Verse 6, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Work six, rest one. Work six, rest one. That's the biblical pattern laid down in the Ten Commandments. It doesn't seem to be of the essence here, whether it happens to be Sunday or Saturday. The point is work six, take a day off, work six, take a day off.
1: Okay, so uh, obviously he says uh, that uh, it doesn't matter what day you take off uh, as long as, as you're taking a Sabbath. Um do you want to start on this? So, so uh, this the the Christian idea. Many Christians say, "Well, I take a Sabbath. I take a you know. I tend to work weekends, so I usually take Monday off as my Sabbath." Or um, some people, you know, one of the main things that a lot of Christian Christians will say is, "Well, you know, I keep a Sabbath. It's Sunday, um, and it, God doesn't really care what uh, what what day it is as long as it's a, a day, right?" And that's what Piper
0: i do have something i want to point out from scripture but first this marks piper off from example uh the lutheran tradition which teaches that the sabbath is you know the seventh day is still what we call you know saturday more or less um but that lutherans don't observe it out of christian liberty right so they observe the first day um it's the Catholic tradition, is it not, that says, no, We the Sabbath is now Sunday, and we changed it. <laughs> um, he's not taking either of those positions. He's taking a position that says, it just is, you work six days, and then you rest the seventh. And And the problem here is that it's not our Sabbath. It's God, right? I mean, God, when he gives it, uh, you know, with the, the manna back in Exodus in the wilderness, there was a day. It wasn't any, you know, work six days, and on the... You know, whatever six days you want, and then the sixth day, there will be a double portion for you. No. And the guy who was stoned for uh, picking up wood on the Shabbat, you know, obviously, but if he might not want to go to, quote, Old Testament scriptures. But I would ask, why would Yeshua in in Matthew say, pray that your flight will not be on the Sabbath? Mm. You know, and, and not only that, it's got the definite article everywhere. The Sabbath the Sabbath Isaiah 58 if you you know call the Sabbath a delight and do not do your own uh, fancies on my holy day right whose day is it so the Sabbath is defined by God and it's not movable right it's yeah well I, I, I want to go to I want
1: to go to Exodus 31 uh, 31 13 uh, the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the sons of Israel saying you shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy uh, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days, work may be done, but on the seventh day... There is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, shall surely be put to death. Okay. Now, first, the first thing that we need to to, I'll keep going here in a second because there's more. The first thing we need to realize is that if everybody gets to choose what day is their Sabbath, then how are you going to hold anybody accountable? How can someone die? You see somebody picking up sticks That's on you. you see angle. somebody picking up sticks on on uh, Saturday. You say, oh, look. That guy's picking up. He's working on the shabbat. He's like, Time
0: out. No, Let's stone him. This is him. my fifth day. This yeah, yeah, fifth yeah,
1: exactly. Day. Hey, excuse me. I take Monday as the Sabbath. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, never mind. There, keep going, keep going. No, obviously not. Right? right? There has to be some kind of a standard. And um, so anyway, Plus it's a
0: group of pe- it's people together. You shall keep my sabbaths. Y'all shall keep my sabbaths. So that first of all, they're his. And he's taking a group of people, so that means all the people must be in agreement as to when it is. So yeah, I'm getting a I'm uh, getting
1: a static click from you, man. Uh, like jiggle your check. cord a little or something. Okay, I want, I want to keep going. Thirty-one sixteen. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth. But on the seventh day, he ceased from labor and was refreshed. In other words, it was a very specific day. It wasn't, God, you know, it, it doesn't, didn't shift. He, the first six days he worked and the seventh day, and this is what we're celebrating. So, I mean, I would ask, you know, is the 4th of July, you know, can, can we just choose any day in, the, in, the, in July that we want to s- celebrate it? Of course not. The idea that all of it, that every other holiday is set, and and uh, you know every every holiday and every you know birthdays are always set. It's always the same day of the week. But when it comes to the Sabbath, the one that is like one of the most important days to celebrate, that we're supposed to celebrate f- forever, it can shift. What other day does that? What other what other celebration does that? Where you can say, oh well, I guess you know you can you missed it here. Put it three days later, it's okay. Or, you know, I like celebrating it four days before everyone else. No, it doesn't work like that. Well, I suppose it does in the Hebrew roots and the Messianic movement, right? Because everybody's got a different calendar anyway. The only time that we see this happening in Scripture, though, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the only time we see it happening in Scripture is for the Passover. If you miss the Passover the first time because you're on a long journey, you can do it a month later, Right. See, but even then, you can't do it three days later. You can't do it five days later. You can't do it 15 days later. It's specific. There's God is not random. God is very specific in what he does, and he's very specific in his Torah, and he's very specific with, this, with the Shabbat, with the Sabbath. So although I greatly respect uh, Dr. Piper and the work that he's done for the kingdom and and, uh, and the immense work he's done to uh, to build up the body and continues to do to build up the body, uh, I have to strongly disagree with him on this. I think that ex- exegetically, I think that his idea, at least in 1985 uh, was extremely flawed. Now, who knows what he would say today in terms of the Sabbath? I do know that Dr. Piper does try to keep the Sabbath. He does that on Sunday. Um, and I think that he does that by not uh, by trying not to work. I don't believe he tries I don't believe he spends money. Um, so he's he's trying to keep a Sabbath, although he's got the wrong day. Um, anyway, I hope that uh, helps some people out there. Anything else you want to say on that, Rob? Nope, nope. Good job. Hey, I'm getting a crackle, man, okay. every, t- every time you talk.
0: Even right now? Yep. Okay, what should I do? I don't know what to do.
1: Hmm. Is Are people in the chat room getting a uh... – okay, hang on, everybody. Hang on. Let's try to get our technical difficulties done here. Uh, is anybody in the chat room here in the crackle? Yes, I hear it. <clears throat> Should we have you log out and log back in?
0: Yeah, go ahead and. Uh, why don't you ca- why
1: don't you call me? All right, so we're back and we're uh, we're we're good to go. Um, okay, let's get into it. Uh, we okay. So I think everyone everyone on the internet by now knows that last week <laughs> I I misquoted something and I apologize. I said that it was Isaiah seven. It's not. I had a question about that. No, Caleb.
0: I, Yeah, I know. I know. You do not receive correction well. I know. It actually is Isaiah 7. No, it's not. Those people don't. (laughs) I'm kidding.
1: Okay, so let's read. John put probably the most concise uh, uh, email together. However, we got several of them. There was about five people that emailed and said, no, you got the passage wrong. You all were right. I kind of had a feeling that it wasn't that passage because – anyway. Um, so the, uh, this is what John says. John says the final Mem topic is from Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Now, I brought this up to to try to show that uh, the rabbi who wrote the article uh, – let me catch everybody up. The rabbi, there was a rabbi who wrote an article that was put on H.com. And the article was titled, Why Jews Don't Believe in Jesus, which – the title from the very beginning, he's wrong. Plenty of Jews believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Not the point. Um, so within this, we uh, he was trying to show that that Christians misinterpret uh, scriptures in order to get Yeshua to be the Messiah. And one of the places that it brings up is Isaiah seven, where it says uh, that. Uh, uh, a sign will be given, a virgin will will give birth, and and he says, no, 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 the word isn't virgin there, uh, it's, it's the word for young maiden. Nowhere did anybody think that a virgin was going to give birth to the Messiah. Well, first of all, we know that's not true because the Septuagint, which was written about 300 years before Yeshua came, used the word virgin, not young maiden. Uh, so obviously somebody thought and those were
0: Jewish Jewish priests. Yeah, Jew, yeah exactly. and Educated
1: Jews. So so right there we know he's he's off. Second of all, there's plenty of rabbinical evidence, uh, rabbis saying that the, the uh the Messiah would be born to a virgin, and the reason why is because of the closed mem. And I tried to bring this up. I now once again I apologize. I gave you the law, the wrong reference. It wasn't in Isaiah seven. However, the uh, the point still stands. Let's read what John has to say. He says the final mem topic is from Isaiah uh, 9, 6-7 in connection with the Peleuitz, El Gibor, Avi, Ad, Sar, Shalom, Lemur, Bey of the Increase. In verse 7 contains the final mem. He's correct on this. But I wonder, why would this be significant for Messianics? Good question. Considering that the interpretation of it stems from the traditional view that the letters have meaning that's not exactly true. Are you? No, in... well, I understand what he's. I understand. I, under... he's... I understand what he's saying too. But he says, "Are you in co- uh, in a compromise with the word picture movement? Since it is that the word picture movement has gleaned its fundamental ideas from these rabbinic kabbalistic concepts." No, I'm not, and I'll explain that in a second. I mean, not to be argumentative, but for others that may wonder, I am hoping for a deeper explanation of your acceptance of the Mem Sofit having a meaning that correlates with a philosophy belief system you refute regularly. Here's, here's. Wait. uh, uh, Okay, you go first, first. First of all, let's say John. Very, very well put email uh this is this is very good. I almost want to grab a guitar and break and, and break into song no, let's not okay so no 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 put okay. hey hey put I should get a harmonica we can, pl- <laughs> we can play music together <laughs> um here's what I would say is that I personally don't think that the uh, closed mem in isaiah nine seven means that that uh, the Messiah would be born of a virgin. I personally don't believe that. But the, my point is is that if a rabbi who does not believe that Yeshua is the Messiah says, the Jews have never believed that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, yes, they do. The rabbis say it constantly, and they say it about this about this verse. I personally don't accept that. The, I think that uh, one of two things is happening, and, and Rob has actually enlightened me. Before this past week, I thought that it was a scribal wow. error. Wow, you're crackling again, man. Bad. Really? Really bad.
0: Okay, I'm going to shift to my headset. I know you're not going to like it. But I think, let's just see. Keep okay. talking. Okay. Keep talking.
1: <clears throat> so the point is, is that it, 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 when it comes to, he, uh, uh, okay, so one of two things is happening here. I, uh, originally, I thought it was probably a shift um, or a, a scribal error. Okay, is originally what I thought. Scribal error, and no, we shouldn't read into it. However, the the point still stands. If a Jewish person tries to say to you, "Oh, the Jews, the rabbis would never say that the the Messiah was born of a virgin," yes, they would. They say it about nine, uh, about Isaiah nine seven. That's the point. Whether or not they're right or not about the the closed mem has no bearing on it. The point is is that is that they do say that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. So this rabbi who's sitting here saying, Oh, no no no, Jews have never believed that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, nonsense. That's not true. Now, of course, this past week, Rob has explained to me that no, what probably ended up happening is that you had one word, okay, Test. that was connected, and it got it got um it got broken into two words. And that's why you have this mem on the end of a word instead
0: of in the middle of a word. Say something. So I, I didn't hear because I had to. I was out for a sec.
1: Yeah. So basically, uh, I'll give you. I'll give everybody a quick recap. No, no. no I, basically, I, what I was saying is, oh, is, that, is that you you were you were telling me that it's probably two words that have or one word that has been uh, moved into two. Uh, go for it now. I'm going to pass it over to you.
0: Well, why I wanted to say first. Also, thanks to the awesome question by John because it shows. It's a pointed question. Yeah. Right. It, it's a pointed question that a great reflects. Question. That reflects knowledge of the issues, as well as someone who's been tracking our uh, discussion. Mm-hmm. So it's a me- it's a meeting of someone who's been a close listener, attentive to detail, and is also knowledgeable about the topic. Putting those together and formulating a, a concise, pointed question—that's s- such a valuable thing for us to, in terms of a skill set of asking good questions, because that's what moves the conversation forward. So that's why I wanted to get the the song going there for the good question. Um one point just it, it I understand why John is associating it with the Hebrew word picture movement and their interpretive uh fantasy kind of thing. Um just to clarify there are uh there in the paleo Hebrew there would not be a difference between a mem a, you know a mem sophite or a mem that's in the middle of a word, right? Um so uh, so the word picture is not technically what, what we're talking about, but we are talking about in the scribal tradition, the oddity of a memsophite in the middle of a word when the general scribal rule is that it's only used at the end of a word. So, uh, but still, so this was a good opportunity to also address another question because someone had emailed us recently saying, hey, and I think it was part of the impetus for last week, saying, you you guys talk a lot about Christian theology. Um, you don't engage with Jewish sources very much. You don't talk about rabbinics very much. And so this was a great opportunity to even go deeper into that. And so um, it's, it, there's a handout that's five pages long that I compiled that I thought that we would just go over and talk through. So if you don't have it and you're listening, you might if this is a recording, you're listening. Pause and download that. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to follow along.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to put this right now. I will put it on the Robin Caleb Show page on Torah Resource. So, if you want to, if you're listening to this later, if the, uh, if you're listening to a recorded version of this, great. Go to torahresource.com and then uh, <laughs> hover over
0: Radio and uh, go down to the Robin Caleb Show I, page. I just saw Peter. Peter's comment. Maybe the muted is a, cl- a closed man. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, here we go. So, basically, there's five pages here. My creative title, You have the two Hebrew, Lemar bay, uh, Lam rabay. what is it? You know, there's a space there. Isaiah 9-6 among the scribes and rabbis. There's basically, I think, f- I'm just scrolling through it here on my screen. There's four sections. Section one is... Manuscripts. What are our oldest manuscripts? Forget printed editions. We want to go before the printing press, right? We want to we want to go to our oldest examples of Jewish scribes writing out this passage. That's and so we have that from Qumran. So that Second Temple period. Then we have a, a cluster from the Middle Ages that we'll look at. That's section one. Section two, then, so that's page one and two. So page three starts uh, section two, which is what we call uh, early rabbinic era or the or the late antiquity. So Isaiah 9:6 in Talmud and Midrash. So this is looking generally at the, the Jerusalem Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, and various. Uh, midrashim that are from basically after the destruction of the temple up to the rise of Islam and, and maybe a little into, you know, just think like the year 100 to thousand roughly that's section two that we'll look at. Then we're going to look at uh, uh, section three is page four. That's medieval Parshanim. So this is uh, rabbis from Europe. Like we have France, Spain, uh, Provencal, which is southern France, the earliest uh, rabbinic uh, commentators um, that are talking about this passage from Isaiah. We're going to look at them. What are they saying? And then part four, and I don't know if we'll get this far this week. I hope we do, but there's a lot to talk about, is uh, then from then what we call you know late medieval to early modern era in the Kabbalistic uh, writings. So that's the overview. So basically, we have the four sections. Um, the newest source that we're going to look at is uh, Isaiah Hor- Yeshiahu Horowitz, who is the Shela Shnei Luchot Habrit. He is his name. Um, who was a? He lived in Prague in the 16th century. So he's the newest person we're going to look at um, because from there on out, everything forward is just going to be regurgitations of. Of these sources, uh, maybe with an occasional new gamatria or something. Um, so that's that's what this outline is. Normally, this is basically what you see here would be a presentation, a kind of a handout for a presentation I might give, like at an SBL or at a conference. Basically, you'd get a handout. This is the kind of thing. Or that if I didn't hand it all out, maybe the images that you see would be on a on a projector. And then maybe there would be just a a handout that is a front and a back with some of the text typed out, but where the images would be on the screen. So, so this is kind of a different Rob and Caleb show, Caleb, (laughs) you know, because we've never really done this kind of thing. But like Caleb was saying, this is like the one week of the year (laughs) where, where I did more of the intense prep and, uh, and you can tell his
1: prep is so much better than mine. He's got a handout with like it's all well, studied
0: out and everything. But this is but, but this is an important question, and it's I'm without John's question, I, it wouldn't occur to me to put all this together. You know what I mean? It's sure. like it's like you know it, it's so the question spurs us on to produce things like this that my hope and prayer is going to be helpful for all of you listening and, you know, you print this out and share it with others. But basically, so so that's the overview of what we're looking at. By the this way, a, the,
1: the, uh, right now, uh, you can go to that page on Torah Resource and it's under Rob's handout for show 160, click here to download. Okay, keep going. Excellent, okay.
0: So the part one, so this is the first two pages, manuscripts, so remember, we're not looking at printed editions. If you go to your printed Mikraut Gedolot, like Rabbinic Bible, you'll see the closed mem. If you look at any, um, you go to a Koran printed uh, uh, Nah or Tanakh and you look up Isaiah, you'll see the, so we're we're going before printed editions. Remember the printers, when the printing press came around, what did they do? All they had, they didn't invent new texts. They go and found the best manuscripts they could. And then they do the typesetting, right? They have to typeset all this and then they print and mass produce the prints. So we're going prior to the printing press. Because we want to minimize noise that can come into a text tradition by means of the printers, right? If the printers put a, a race for and this happens in rabbinic – if you look at a printed mikrot gedalot, for example. Mikrot gedalot is a rabbinic Bible printed in the 16th century – Sometimes where the letter is supposed to be a Dalit, they put a rash there. They put a ty- they typeset a rash instead of a Dalit, right? And so you have to go, okay, that's wrong. You know, obviously they spelled the word wrong and you have to, you know, so there's errors that can creep in at the printing level that we want to just eliminate. And so we eliminate that. It doesn't, because scribes make errors too. So it was, uh, that's evident, but We're just taking out the middleman in a way. So the earliest is here is called 1Q Isaiah A. 1 means cave 1 of Qumran. Uh, The Q means Qumran. Isaiah means, uh, or ISA is for Isaiah, and then the A, that's supposed normally a little subscript or superscript A, because there's more than one Isaiah fragment here. But this is from Isaiah from this passage. And you see if we read, oh my, keeps zooming out. Let me, I gotta zoom back in here, my PDF here. Um, Reading from right to left then. And so this is, you know, if you're not used to Qumran script, this is a good example for you to kind of see. Not all Qumran script is um, equal. There are multiple scribes. Ada Yardini's the the scholar to look at that if you wanna uh, investigate the various scripts at Qumran. It's A-D-A-Y-A-R-D-E-N-I. She's at, I believe, Hebrew University, Ada Yardini. But anyway, the first word here is uh, shechmo, his shoulder. So uh, so we're going to start from uh, yikare. So now there's no vowel points, notice. Yikare or yikra. If it's yikra, it would be he will call, but it's probably in nifal. Uh, ikare, it could be Ikare, it, vowels would make it different. He will be called, or his name, Ikare Shamo. His name will be called, and then we have the word Pele. See the Lameds are nice and tall above the, the line there. Pele, Yoetz, El Gibor. Now notice this, look at El Gibor. Would you say that's one word or two? Caleb, what do you think?
1: Hang are on, you looking get, at that? Um, let me get back to it, hang on, I apologize. That's okay.
0: So basically, so, yeah, El- no, it,
1: it, 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 I can see why it would be. Uh, so you're on the top image, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. El Gibor is in the middle. You have Aleph, Lamid, and then a Gimel. Yeah. Bet, Vav, Yeah, it. it. It looks if you if if just from an eye, I would say you know those two words are closer together than, for example, Pele and Yoates. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then we have Aviad. Now notice Aviad. That's clearly- Two words. Two words. Yeah. And then we have sar-ha-shalom. That's a hey. I know it doesn't look like a hey. It looks like a, a Greek pie or something, but that's a hey in Qumran script. Sar-ha-shalom. We're going to see that that's different than our Masoretic tradition. It just says sar-shalom with no hey, no definite article. And then at the very end, it says Le mar be. Now, what's strange here? is that you could almost look—now, if you're not used to the Qumran script, it is, it's not super easy, but I zoomed in, I did kind of a zoom of that, and that's the box below. It's a Lamed um, uh, Mem Petucha, so it's an open Mem, and then you see a Reish, Bet, and then a He, Lem Marbe. Now, even though there is a little bit of a space between the Mem and the Reish, I don't think he means that as two words. I think he means this as one word. It would be strange for him, except, especially when you see the shalom, the word ha-shalom right before it. That's a clear, final mem. Uh, and it's uh, – he gives nice space before the next letter, before the next word, "lemarbe." Um In any event, that's the word we're looking at. If you continue on to and, – and, and, uh, and
1: Wait, wait, wait. let's Let's just clarify for those – who might be watching later? And, uh, and once again, if you if you don't have this handout, you can download it on the Robin Caleb Show page on Torah Resource. The point is, is the word that he is talking about now. For those who don't speak Hebrew, is the word that uh, you have uh, a word that the red line is now pointing at, or the red arrow is pointing at. Right below it, he's he's uh, blown it up so that you can see what he's talking about. He's saying that these what looks what looks like it could be two words. It could also be interpreted as one word, the, the, and what Rob is saying is that this this piece that's blown up is one word here,
0: correct? Yeah, it, it's clearly, I, I, in my opinion, it's one word. Uh, if the space isn't big enough. Um, to justify it being called two words, although you could argue, argue there, is a, there does seem to be a bit of a space there, uh, particularly how close the lamet and the Mem are, the Lema at the beginning are. But then if we continue in the next line, then it's Hamisra, that's the government, Ule uh, Shalom, uh, and uh, the Shalom, ain kates there is no end. So this is that uh, famous passage. Um, But the word in question is the the one in the upper left, lemarbe. But what we see here, this is our oldest Jewish uh, scribal uh, text uh, fragment of Isaiah uh, 9. And obviously it's not a a Memsofit. We can see the Memsofit of his writing style right below it, right next to it with the word HaShalom, and it's not one of those. And you can see clearly there's no ink there. It's it's clearly an okay. open mem. So so so
1: basically, I want to break it down once again for people who might not know Hebrew. So what you're saying is, is explain a mem real quick. You have a mem and you have a mem feet. The mem feet only comes at the end of a word. So it's like uh, right. It's like if the word the, the letter actually changes if the, it's at the end of a word. If it's the last letter
0: right. of a word. Right. Okay. there's there's right there's a few letters that do that okay now just this is one oh, thing wait, 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 that hang, a, on, hang on
1: let's let's explain just okay. a little bit more for, because people might not have heard last week's show either the the mem it, which is a letter in the hebrew alphabet the mem that's in, in that's not at the end of the word that's not a mem sofit has an open it, it has an open space in it okay right. but the mem sofit does not it it has it's closed okay and right. so what Rob is saying here in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is the uh, earliest uh, manuscript that we have of this passage, is that it's clearly a memsofit here in this in this passage, and it should be. Is that
0: correct? It's not at the end. It's at the end of a word. No, 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 no. Well, wait a minute. The one in HaShalom is is a memsofit. Okay. Yeah. So basically, if we just look at this line and you scan this line, you go all the way back to the right, we have the word, his shoulders, shin, kaf. Mem Vav. And you can see what his regular Mem looks like in the word Shechem there, shoulder. And then we see it in it's Yikari Shamo. Shin Mem Vav. So we see another Mem there. So we have two Mems already, your standard Mems, in this line. Uh, and then we see it again in Lemar bay, in that last word. And then we have one Mem Sofit on this line in the word HaShalom. And then in the second line, Hamisra, the second letter is an open Mem, and then we have Ula Shalom with a Mem Sofit. So this, just this snapshot is enough to give us a clear picture that this scribe was very competent in his writing between a a normal Mem, Petucha, an open Mem, and a a closed Mem, or a final Mem, Mem Sofit. Um, So if uh, for those who haven't learned some Hebrew yet, this is a good place to start learning maybe some differences with the letters. So to wrap all that up, from Qumran, there is no such thing as a closed mem in the middle of this word lemarbe. It's not there. It, in my opinion, is tr- is considered one word. Um, and then I—, see I what you're if, saying.
1: Now I see what you're saying. Now I see what you're saying. Okay, so and, there's, and, there's no mem so, so feet in the middle of the word, is what you're saying.
0: Correct. Correct. And so ancient – and then I just have a little subsection here, ancient translation. So the Septuagint Megale, it wait, takes wait, it from wait, wait. a noun.
1: Can, can, can we, one more point of clarification. We should, okay. have done this, we should have done this at the very beginning of this conversation, and I think I kind of did while you were getting your mic ready. But basically the reason that this is important is because there is rabbinical teaching that says – that uh, because the mem in in certain manuscripts, not in this one, as Rob has shown, but in certain manuscripts, this there is a mem sophit in the middle of the word, and, and that it
0: has it has a mystical significance. Has mystical That's
1: significance, sure. and since it's closed, they say the womb of the Messiah will be closed too and will either be of uh, well or, that's
0: well wait a minute we're going to get there because okay, okay. that's that's the, but what i'm am ju- I'm
1: ju- I'm, what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to show people why we're even why we're focusing on this right now why does it matter oh, that gotcha, why gotcha. does it matter that they whether it would be closed or not in the middle of a word and and the reason why is because this is this is uh th- this is going to inform us about what uh what we were trying to what i was trying to talk about last week probably horribly uh, done compared to what uh, rob's going to do okay keep going now
0: Okay, so and it and it's always wise. So you're you're kind of learning as we go here, you're learning kind of the basic you know, sketch of what my methodology is as a scholar. Right? We we want to account just account for the data, right? What's the data? And this is of course this is not exhaustive. Um, I believe this is the only fragment we have from Isaiah from the Qumran scrolls, but if they if that cave twelve has in fact been discovered and it has text in it. We might have more Dead Sea Scroll texts coming this yeah, year. very, very, very exciting. So, uh, for those, who so this know. is just, uh, and plus, I, I, just draw from some of the rabbinic. This is just like reaching in and grabbing some of the core stuff out of the tradition. Uh, if we look at the ancient translations, the Septuagint has Megale, Hey Megale, which is great, right? Greatness. It's just treated as a single word, translated as if it was a single word. The Peshitta uses a an affel infinitive infinitive here, le mas uh, le mas gayo, Um I properly um, greater greatness. Yeah, it means the same thing. So both the, the Aramaic Peshitta of Isaiah and the Septuagint treat this whatever they whatever they were looking at in. Hebrew, they just translate it with one word. The targum, which is later, sagi uh, revu, just is more like an amplified Bible. Much is the greatness. Uh, so revu is the is the same Shoresh here as marbe, lemarbe, uh, but uh, they just say sagi revu. It would not, uh, even though the targum has two words here, it does not. Uh, it doesn't fit the idea of what the two words. That we'll see in later uh, rabbinic tradition as we move along. So that that's basically it for what we call our ancient text witnesses. We have the the fragment from Qumran, and then I have a rough, you know, a couple of the other translations that are, uh, you know, pre-Islamic. You know, the, the Septuagint is Second Temple. Peshitta Tanakh is probably. Maybe, you know, second century, not talking about Peshitta New Testament, talking about Peshitta Tanakh, different, those are different animals. Um, And then the Targum, which is a tradition that, you know, extends from the late Second Temple period into the rabbinic era. Um, That is, but it's very much in like an amplified Bible, the, the Targums are. Okay, so that's basically it. From there, the next thing we have to look at, yeah. if we say, okay, what, what else can I look at in terms of Jewish scribal practice with you know, pertaining to Isaiah chapter 9? And uh, the earliest uh, that we have, uh, I believe, is the Aleppo Codex, mm-hmm. which is uh, from the uh, the Ben Asher scribal family. Um, 930 Common Era. So this is... Uh, what we call early 10th century. And you can see here that I've got the, the word underlined here and it's in the middle of that, of that section. So this is a, a, a Bible of the Aleppo codex was originally an entire Hebrew Bible. Um, sadly in, um, some, some riots in Aleppo, Syria in the forties, they destroyed a synagogue and they looted the place. And I think some of the Text was destroyed and torn, pages torn out. Well, they they,
1: they said it was. They said it was a fire.
0: Yeah, or or and it could be that some took some of the pages and torn and have them are storing them somewhere. But basically, you imagine a nice big book and then the pages on the front all the way almost through the whole book of Deuteronomy is torn out, and then the book of Ezra and some other stuff at the end torn out. And then, so we kind of, what's left more or less is what's all the stuff that's in the middle. And it's very well, I mean, this is zoomed in, uh, I mean, or, or scanned at a pretty good resolution. You can see the detail and attention. Imagine a whole Hebrew Bible uh, with this style. And, and what we have here is the core, basically the ideal Masoretic text. Um, and here we have, uh, now forget the vowels for a second. You see there's a shva, a patach, a shva, and a, a tzere here. And then there's the dagesh in the bet. Um, and notice there's a little circle uh, above the word. That circle is not a vowel point, but that uh, is a, uh, a flag to the reader to look to the right to look at the marginal note. Okay, that's hang on just a second. What,
1: what Rob's talking about in the uh, Aleppo Codex uh, picture here is the under. He's underlined the word with red. What he's talking about right now is the dots underneath and that line underneath the word, and then the two little marks above uh, one of the letters. Uh, and that's the that's the 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 key to the symbol to look into the marginal notes.
0: Yeah, just for the exactly. people who
1: don't know what the vowels are. Keep going. And when he said the dogish inside of the uh, bet, it's a little dot inside of one of the letters. It's the only dot inside of a letter in that underlined word. Okay, keep going.
0: Yeah, and so those who, those who have uh, done Hebrew will be able to follow this, you know, much better. So this it, we just. But we have to start somewhere. We, we have to talk. So if, if this forces you to go back and do some homework, then that's fine. You know, that's not a bad thing. Um, but notice here, clearly we see Lamed and then what looks like a Mem. And we know it, it looks just like a closed Mem because we have the word Shalom right before it. Right? And then we can see the word uh, ul Shalom below it. So we have plenty of closed Mems in the vicinity. We say this guy, knew. How to uh, knew, knew how to write? Obviously, he's very styled in his uh, his yeah. It's a beautiful script. text. Yeah. Now notice, uh, but what this little circle is above? It's a little circle between the mem and the resh. You look to the side and it says lemarbe and then kuf, which means karee, read. So read it and, and notice it's clearly uh, lamid a mem. Petucha, an open Mem, Reshbet, bet hey. Now again, notice the hey here. Yes, it looks yes, it, it 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 looks uh, the hey doesn't look too far different from the hey back at Qumran. So uh, it, but um, we would be a little more strict probably today because it and even in the hey in the main text it looks almost like it could be achet because of the it touches the 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 top cross part. But in any event, here here's another thing. Notice. Uh, El Gibor above to the the top and to the right. El Gibor, does that? Would you think that's one or two words? It looks like one word, but the but the. And how about Aviad, in the middle of the top line?
1: Yeah, well, it looks Aviad. Like, El well, Gibor and Aviad all look like
0: all look that's, like one. Yeah, word. exactly. So what's the point here? Is that spacing is not always you know we got to be careful. State spacing. I would say that Aviad in the. Aleppo Codex looks like one word, but when we compare it and you go back up and you look at the Aviad in the middle of the top line at, at uh, 1Q Isaiah A, clearly two words. And then Sar HaShalom that we saw in Qumran, here we see Sar at the end of the line in the Aleppo Codex, and then just Shalom. Okay, but what's the implication? What's the implication if, it, if it's one word or two words? The print Well, uh, Qumran, it's the Prince of Peace. Okay. Sar Hashalom. The Aleppo Codex is Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. I, I'm just saying that there's a difference here, and this is why, you know. So, which is true? Which is you know, one of them is the Word of God, and one is not. Well, we that's not the way of thinking we have to bring to this. We just our job now is we want to be good stewards of the texts that have been preserved, and we want to try to understand the the copy habits of the scribes. We want it to the degree we can, like with Qumran, we want to try to understand the the ideology, the theology, the pre- ritual practices um, of the community that preserved the Isaiah scroll and their sectarian writings. I mean, that's that's the era we're in right now is we want to understand history. We want to understand our sources. Um, and, and that's what we're doing here. So what we see by the year 930 is a preservation of this mem lam and then the resh bet hey now whenever we have a, a kari kativ, so here it, we have the kativ is lamed mem sofit resh bet hey the kare is in the margin okay explain now what, now explain, here,
1: explain what you mean by karee.
0: that's it's the it's what you're supposed to read when uh, instead of what's actually written there. Now in here, in this case, the 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 what you read is the same letters, but what the tradition is, as we'll see, is that the Maserite thought of this as two words, and they vocal so the vowels you see under in the middle of the body of the text, the shva, patach, Shiva, tzere are not the vowels for the letters you see in the main text, but the vowels for the the letters in the margin with the letter kuf underneath. that says, kuf means kuri, re, read. So, uh, and what we'll see here is that when we look at other medieval Masoretic okay, texts... H- that,
1: hang, hang on just a sec. Let, let's slow down for a second. I mean, okay. this, is, this is extremely heady stuff, especially when you're trying to get it uh, crossed in, in radio, right? Yeah. So for the person who doesn't know, uh, so why why would the why would the scribe m- tell you to read something else
0: well that's a really good question and there's that's uh, both my sbl papers so far have been on that kind of issue <laughs> so i mean <laughs> there's numbers I, well, there's many different reasons but here here's a core here's a core fact here's a core fact the masserates so these are the scribes that were copying the Hebrew Bible in in the six, seven, eight hundreds and beyond here all the way into you know the the 900s their view was they could not change a letter yeah they so couldn't change the text they can't change the text so in other words the scribe here uh uh, uh Ben Asher who's who's copying this codex here what this means is that the, the the Hebrew Bible the Isaiah text that he's copying from has a closed mem there and he can't change it he can he doesn't have the authority and he even, not even, take,
1: even if he thinks it's a, even if he thinks it's a typo from uh, right. the previous scribe he's not going to change it because this is, this is how have, he received it he doesn't right. have the authority.
0: Yeah, he and he would not take. He would not dare to do that, right? So what? He, so what they do, the masoretes then, because of this kind of thing, they accu- They have a their own oral tradition. But this is not Torah Shabal Pei. It's a. It's a different. What type do you mean by oral, that? What do you mean by that? It's not. It has nothing to do with ra- uh, with rabbis. It has nothing to do with halacha. It has to do with just how to preserve the text that we have and then they accumulate a body of knowledge about the text about the consonants um, and and so the, and that's what's written in the margin here the lemar Bay that's he's saying read lemar Bay and and what we'll see later in that this is part of a, a larger uh, this is a flag to a larger uh Category in Masoretic knowledge that that uh, classifies this as they write two words but read as one, and we're going to see that in the passage to come. So let's let's move on from the Aleppo. So we'll go to page two. Another 10th century um, Masoretic text here is is classified as Sassoon 1053. Um, Notice we have a similar thing. This time, the words are in a different place. El Gibor, clearly two words. Aviad, one word. Sar Shalom, no hay, That's our top line. Then we have Le Marbe. Um, there is a dog H there in the bed. It's just that this scan is not as high quality. And it, you can tell that the, the Sassoon 1053 is not at the same level of care and attention that the Aleppo Codex is, right? The writing's a little... It's like he wrote it a little quicker. He wasn't being as careful. The lines aren't nice and square as they are with the Aleppo. But sure enough, we have in the same column Lemar Bay and then the Kuf with the dot above it, which means Karee. Read. Lemar Bay. So basically, uh, it looks just like the Aleppo. lamid Mem Sofit Resh Bet He. So the difference between what we've seen now with the Lenin with the Aleppo and with the Sassoon 1053 is that where Qumran had the open mem, here we have two closed mems. Now we're going to go to one more Leningrad Codex, you know, not even a hundred years later. This is they date this one pretty precisely to the year 108, so very early 11th century. Um, and we see Sar Shalom, just like we did. And then we see Le Marbe, and we see the little circle. It's a closed mem right there, what I've underlined. And then it says Le Marbe, Kuri, read. Now, if you look at other uh, Masoretic notes that are apart from these here, and that's what I have typed in here, the first one where I say Masoretic notes on the far right, Le Marbe, Kuf with a little dot, it just means l- read Le Marbe. Um, but the masor- there's a uh, an, a masoretic note uh, on this that says chadmin chet, which chet is eight, and then kaf tav dot means uh, katvin, bet means two vekarin, uh, kar there kufresh is short for. You've uh, totally car- lost
1: be- me. You've t- you're, I'm uh, t- I'm totally lost.
0: Are you okay? So I, I'm right now. I'm reading under the masor- Masora notes. Underlined. Yeah, but what mid- does it
1: all mean? I mean, you, you're just saying dots translate. Trans-
0: oh, translate. Well, the translation's right there in English. One of eight occurrences where they write two words but read one. So this is an Aramaic shorthand that the mass used. One of eight. So chad min means one from or one of. Het with a dot. Yeah, but what does that even mean? Means the number eight. I mean, it means no, no, no but uh, eight mean, times. It means the the Masoretes are like accountants. They're saying there are eight times in Tanakh where the scribes write two words, but they read them as one word. So okay, but but let's okay, let's step and, back for a second. So, so what's your what, 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 Masoretic tradition says this is one of eight times where there's two words. Read as if they were one word.
1: Okay, so l- let me see if I, I can uh, uh, dumb it down for people like myself. Um, what you're saying is is that in, in this passage, in Isaiah 9-7, in the oldest manuscript that we have, which is the Dead Sea Scrolls, you have two words and uh, you have a what? You have a so or you have an uh, uh, open mem. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, yeah,
0: it's an open yeah. It's it's. Uh, I'm going to scroll back up on for myself so that we're talking about the very page one, the upper yeah. left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a regular mem, Lemur Bay. Okay.
1: So then, what you and said, it's
0: tre- and it's treated by one as one word by the different translations we have also.
1: Okay, so then so then what you're saying is by the time we get to the tenth century, eleventh century, they well, even plu-
0: even yeah yeah, they tenth eleventh.
1: Plu- they, they've closed it, and now they're making notes on it, right? Well,
0: yeah, and their note is that it's two words, but okay. that are to be read as one. And so, if you go back to the bottom of page one and you look at the Aleppo Codex, I could see how that could be interpreted as two words. I mean, look at the space between uh, El Gibor and Avi. Ad.
1: No, no, I, I, I get all that. I get all that. I'm trying. So to get, they're uh,
0: saying Dalamid Mem is a word and Reish Bet hey is a word. They're two words. So the 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 closed mem is appropriate because it's the end of a word, which opens up its own uh, set of difficulties. But okay, but, the... but
1: at the same time, if it was if it was all okay now 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 we're getting to the meat of the issue. If it was one word at the in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and now it's a closed mem, and they're saying it's two words to be well, read as one word. To be read as one word, most likely, what was it? A scribal error, right? And they're just trying to explain it.
0: Well, that yeah, yeah, exactly. But 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 because they're bound to not change the text that I get they're it. copying from. Yeah, no, but, but, but they also that, but they're that, also preserving the tradition that they put in the in the margin, which is just a regular. It looks like the Dead Sea Scroll spelling. It's just got a mem, an open mem, in the middle of the word. Okay, so so the so the Masoretes have two things that they preserve they preserve the main body of the text where there's two words with the memso feet at the end of the first word lam and then in the margin they're preserving what we find at qumran lemar bay basically what i well. what
1: i hear you saying is yeah caleb you were right in the beginning it's probably a scribal error <laughs> right
0: yeah yeah i suppose well we, you know we we don't we don't know here the very but, last but, one but, but,
1: paper- but, but hang on just a sec. so so basically okay. what they're what they're, basically it could have been a scribal error or whatever but basically the rabbis are going to defend it because they because it's the tradition that they that they receive so they have to explain it somehow
0: so wait a minute these are not rabbis
1: I'm sorry, the Masoretes, you're right. These
0: are Sulfreme. So yeah. Okay. Sulfreme. So they're not debating halakha, They're not in the Talmudic Academy.
1: They don't care. They're just they're just, they're, they're just they're trans- saying our
0: yeah. our job is to copy this scripture faithfully. Now, notice that now the the bottom of page two.
1: <laughs> Hang on just a sec. The, the chat room. I need a Rob for Dummies version of this conversation. No doubt. I do too. Don't worry. Okay. So, okay, I, uh, so 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 keep keep going, but but uh, I mean, basically, so, uh, uh, give, give me a, give me a give me the uh give me the the rundown of what you're saying because it seems like we're spending a whole lot of time on okay, the same exact from, same thing.
0: It, well, it's this is just the data, yeah, the but data the data's all the same. I mean, yeah, it, well, so we have multiple witnesses, okay? But so the uh, last one on page two, the Cairo Codex of the Prophets, which some date to ninth century, so 800s, some. Put it a little later so there's controversy but it's clearly two words i i think um but you know lamed mem with a space and then race bet hey so uh what we're doing is we're going through time right and we're looking at you know how things are changing so it, it, we've looked we were Kind of time traveling. we're in the in so so. Wait, second, hang on just second. Period.
1: Okay, wait, hang on. But Lois brings up a great point in the chat room. When written as two words, does it change the meaning?
0: Well, th- th- all we have is a po- uh, could it even be two words? What
1: it could it
0: be? be well, there's only been a suggestion that it was that the scribal error, but it's it's just uh, it's speculation because we don't know that. It was lamo, so that there was a lamed, a mem, a regular mem, and then a vav. Uh, Rabbe. So it would be to him, it would just mean to him. And then um, uh, it would be rabe or rabah, hamisra. So it would basically have the same meaning, but the, uh, we would either, it would be lamo or lo, like to him. And it, to him could be lamo or lo but we don't have any act that's a speculation because we don't have a fragment that actually has that so that's just trying to explain why would this be here so so the problem now that we have is you know the medieval jewish scribes are copying one thing in the middle of the text and then they're they're uh, Keri tradition, their reading tradition says, just treat it as one word. So the Lois is nothing right. To, the, nothing to see here. The only
1: to, the only spelling that makes sense would be the Dead Sea Scrolls.
0: Correct, and the and the tra- the way the Septuagint translated, and the, and the way like the Peshitta Tanakh translates. Okay,
1: it. so so I, I, look, I, I I believe you on the the data in terms of how it's changed throughout the 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 years. I get that. What do the rabbis say?
0: Okay, so now let's move on. So, so that's all. Section one, just the data. Now, the scribes, remember that the, the scribes are not trying to interpret. They're not trying to uh, uh, give a drash, right? They're not. What's they're a not, drash? They're not giving a midrash. They're not. What's saying, a midrash? Uh, they're not saying, "Oh, there's a mystical meaning here," right? Or they're not saying, "Oh, this ties to the halakha of of whether yeah, or not." Uh,
1: hang on, just a sec. You you are using words that I think a lot of people are not going to understand. Okay. Well, what's a midrash? What's a jarash, What's a halacha?
0: We're gonna do. We're gonna shift now. We're gonna see a midrash. So, this is page three.
1: Okay, but hang on. What is a midrash though? You gotta uh, define what a midrash is.
0: A midrash is a rabbinic teaching, usually a uh, uh, a moral kind of lesson, or a a legal a a a legal argument tied uh, to a scriptural text. So a midrash is something that the, that is where you have a rabbi who takes a, a snippet of scripture, maybe a word or two, or a whole line, and then maybe another verse from the Bible somewhere else, and then ties them together in communication of a larger moral principle or legal principle. Okay, go for it. So that's called midrash. So, well, I just look the Jerusalem the, uh, where it says Y San. That's Jer- that's Yerushalmi Sanhedrin. So, uh, and in Vikra, Rabbah. So these are both rabbinic uh, sources that, that cite Isaiah nine six, but that make no mention of a of a closed mem. So we have, uh, you know. Some of the uh, rabbinic sources don't mention a closed mem, and the Jerusalem Talmud—you'd think—wow, they, they don't mention it. So now, does it? Do they don't mention it because they can't say everything, and they just didn't talk about it, or that they didn't really have a a closed mem in their in their Isaiah scrolls? So
1: wait, hang on just a sec. What I'm seeing from this basically is that they're not even talking about it.
0: Right. They talk about they cite the verse, but, but right, they just use. But
1: they, the, they, Ruth Rabbi Rashi, uh, Yosef Kara, Avraham Ibn
0: Ezra—they don't even—they don't even talk well, about on, it. Yeah, you're on the—you're on page four. I'm on page three.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, but it seems like they don't say anything about it. So why even?
0: Because because the Talmud is early. But page two, the Babylonian Talmud is earlier than all those guys. Okay. So listen, listen to. This is this is uh, I've kind of adapted this and, you know, English translation of, of where it says B San 94A. This is on page two or page three, rather, section two. So the Babylonian Talmud is, you know, this is in Mesopotamia. This is pre-Islam. Right. So this is like fourth, fifth, sixth century. And this is mostly most of this text is in Aramaic. Some of it's in Hebrew. But they it starts off. They quote Isaiah 9, 6. Lemar Bey, right, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be enkates, no end. Um, And then it says, uh, Rabbi Tanhum said, Bar Kapara expounded in Seferis, why is every mem in the middle of a word patuach, open, whilst this is satum, is closed? So this is the conversation going on here. In the Talmud is earlier than the Aleppo Codex, right? This conversation is happening a couple centuries.
1: So, in other that, words, we. So, in other words, I, I get where you're going with this. So, in other okay. words, we know we know that it's we know that it's closed at this point.
0: Well, at least for in Babylonia, in the Babylonian scribal tradition, not necessarily in the Yerushalmi, in the in the land of Israel, scribes. Um, is it closed? Um, We just don't know. And then, so the story, this is a Midrash. It's a rabbinic uh, story based on um, kind of stretching and imagining a, 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 you know, moral uh, lesson here around a biblical text. The Holy One, blessed be he, wished to appoint uh, Hezekiah as Mashiach. This is what the rabbis are saying in Babylonia here. Um, And they want, he wanted to appoint Sennacherib as Gog and Magog. But the Midat Hadin, the attribute of justice, which is one of God's attributes, said to the Holy One, blessed be he, Rabbono Shel which is, you know, uh, sovereign of the world. If you didn't make David the Messiah, who uttered so many hymns and psalms before thee, wilt thou appoint Hezekiah as such, that is to be Messiah, who did not uh, sing hymns to thee, in spite of all the miracles that you did for him? So in other words... Uh, what the rabbis are saying is that Hezekiah—they're trying to explain why is this mem closed that they see in Babylon. So let's just put year four hundred or something like four or five hundred. Well, you think century. the
1: Babylonian Talmud was in, in the four hundreds? Yeah,
0: sure. No. Is, well, it's okay. edited. It's redacted. No, I, I totally disagree okay. with that. Okay. Uh, Okay. Do you, what do you want to do here? Do you want to go to a do you want to go to a footnote, or do you no, want to I, keep talking? No, no, I'm I'm just. I mean, it's it's the, a good it's a good it question. Was, the, the Babylonian it was, not, Count- it, it was not redacted until later. I'm just saying ballpark. Just put year 500. If you want to put year 600, fine. Okay. That's it, it, neither here nor there. Um, it's it's uh, pre-Islamic. Now, it's it, – but I, we don't want to get into that. This is just for now. So – but what's going on there? The rabbis are th- – they're having this conversation. They're saying, we see a closed ma'am. Why is it closed ma'am? And so um, they have this tradition of Bar-Kapara back in Sepphoris. So they're hearing – they say this person who's from the Holy Land, even though they're in Babylon, told this tradition that the Holy One, blessed be he – at the time of Hezekiah, wanted to make him Messiah. But, but the ju- justice, as a personified uh, entity, Deen, an attribute of justice, says, wait, God, wait, O Holy One, you, you didn't even make David the Messiah, How, and, and he made all these psalms and songs, and Hezekiah hasn't done anything, and you're going to make him Messiah? And therefore the mem was closed. So that God closed the Mem. Is this? This is a midrash here, according to these. these this story, uh, because he he listened to the, the, the measure of the Midat the attribute of justice, saying it's not just for you to make Hezekiah Messiah, because you didn't make David Messiah. That's why it, it became satum. It became closed. But then right away the earth exclaims. So now the earth opens up <laughs> its mouth, so to speak, and says, "Rabono shelolam, sovereign of the universe, let me utter a song before you." Instead of this tzaddik, this this Hezekiah, and then and then you can make him the Messiah. In other words, the earth wants the Messiah to come. So the earth is going to cry out and sing a song, and then so the earth starts singing, and it and. Um, as it is written, and then it, it quotes Isaiah 24: From the uttermost parts of the earth, we have heard songs, even glory, la tzaddik, to the tzadik. So, the, so the rabbis are saying this is the earth singing praises to God, uh, to the glory of Hezekiah. You should make him the Messiah and bring redemption.
1: So, is there any place at all where the where the rabbis do say that the, that uh, this no, close meant? Got to be patient, my friend. Well, you're going really slow, man. I'm sorry. Well, it's I, like molasses. I,
0: this is we're teaching the text. Uh, well, okay. Well, we don't have to keep. We don't have to take this pace. You know, but this is this is what it is. If you want to understand <clears throat> what uh, how this tradition developed, there's no other way to it. You got you got to trudge through the uh, the weeds. No, okay, um, keep, I'll keep, tell you what. No, I'll, keep going. i
1: Wait. I want. I want. I want you to keep going with Rashi. What What is Rashi saying? I'll Niger pick up the eggs? pace.
0: I'll pick up the pace a little bit.
1: Well, you, we only, you, only, you only got about what? We
0: only got – We've got till about 15 after. Or I could go a little later than that even today. I got okay. a card. Today. Okay, keep going. Um, so so, so, so Ra- what does Rashi in a say? Shell, the Babylonian Talmud says the mem – there is a closed mem there. It's in the middle of the word, and it's – here's why. Here's the story of why that mem got closed. It was because God had a secret. That's where it says, uh, it's my secret, my secret, why he closed it. And it's a wordplay on razili, razili, which means I am wasting away uh, in Isaiah 26. So this is
1: the—let me me see if I understand. This is the first time within rabbinic literature or within really anything that we see of someone speaking to the mem being closed and giving some reason whatsoever— whether it's, exactly. I mean, whether it's nonsense or not, they're right. giving some, they're giving some reason why. the are so the
0: scribes <clears throat> say it's two <throat> words, read it as one, right? Because they're, they're just practical. They're like accountants. They're two words, read them as one. And
1: the sofreem are the people who are writing down the
0: text. Right. The, the rabbis are like, the rabbis depend upon the scribes. <laughs> the scribes don't depend on the rabbis. Sure. So the, the 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 rabbis are just they just like oh it's one word they think it's one word and they stop listening to the scribe who's saying time out it's two words. They're like, no, this is what happened and their imagination takes off and it's a sealed mystery. So now, right? so so, so you, you got the,
1: you got these guys who are writing it it's like politics almost. You got these guys who are writing it down. Right. And and the the, the this so, the rabbis are like well, it should say this. And the, the scribes are like, no, we're not changing it. This is how we received it. We're not changing it. You, if you want to, you got to deal with it the way it is. And so then the rabbis are like, okay, 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 okay. We'll deal with it the way it is. It's a closed mem.
0: Now, this is well, which why. Means, which means the rabbis are saying, no, it's one word. See, that, right? we have a disagreement. The Masoretes tradition is that it's two words. The rabbis uh, in Babylon are saying it's one word. So this is the difference. This is why Yeshua says we, you know, scribes and Pharisees, right? You, you we need. There's something that we learn from each side. You, uh, it's that's a whole uh, issue there. But anyway, so th- this is the rabbinic imagination gone wild. Rashi now, Rashi, remember he's um, he's later on. But he's in the 11th century in France. He writes a commentary on the Babylonian Talmud. So even if, Caleb, you want to say that the, the Talmud was not written yet in the 5th, 6th century, that's fine. Whatever the oral tradition, whatever the the memorized uh, sugiot, etc., the body of the Talmud, by the time we get to Rashi, Rashi
1: sure, it's it, in
0: writing. It's writing. It's all written, and he's actually writing a commentary on a written text he's I not agree. interacting with an oral text and, so and and,
1: and, and honestly uh, just i mean i know just back to this real quick uh, back to lois's question this is a great point that rob just made in other words from the time that you have uh, in, from the up until rashi how long would it have taken for remember creating books was not like going to the printer and saying i want a book printed." These right. people had to handwrite all of it. If you wanted a copy, it was expensive. It often took years to get the entire copy. So how long would it have taken for the Talmud to be standardized until uh, – by the time Rashi exactly. gets there? And uh, well we're, t- we're talking well hundreds put. of years. So I, yeah. I agree Plus, with Plus, on not that.
0: only that, not only that, Caleb, another – to throw another uh, uh, difficulty or monkey wrench into that picture is that you have – migration of jewish communities now from babylonia from the you know uh from babylonia what we call we have the rise of islam right then we have we have the jewish diaspora in north africa and in france and not not to mention we still have uh communities of jews living in in eretz israel and they have their they have their own talmud and so you have by rashi's time Rashi basically has to decide am I going to write a commentary on the Babylonian Talmud or the Jerusalem Talmud and he goes with the Babylonian Talmud because he believed it was the authoritative legal uh, uh, text for for his religion. And so this is this is all wrapped into this. So what does he write? So in his com- so notice this is Rashi on this page on Daf uh, 94a on this page. He writes, and then and in Hebrew here, it's mem. See, the, a mem, I'm in the, towards the bottom of page three there. It's a mem with the two little dashes, mem, letter mem. And he's talking about the mem that we saw, that is mentioned here. The mem that is satum, is closed. And then his comment here is, satum <laughs> that the word, uh, that in the word, that the word satum, that the mem, which is in the word, is satum, is closed, um, and therefore lechach nistam. It is it is closed up. That is to say, and then he says What that means is that words that Arise up in God's thoughts. That's what be-machshiva uh, is. Words that or things hadvarim that rise up in God's thoughts are velo ase, but are not acted upon. So it, this, the picture is when God has a thought in His heart, but He doesn't act on it. Those are called nistemu. Uh, they are closed up. So the picture here that Rashi is doing – now, again, this is 11th century. He's saying this is like God's thinking something.
1: Peter says like Nineveh. <laughs>
0: yeah. God's thinking something, but he's, he's – it's not, it's not uh, coming out into the world, okay? And then he says Lishana uh, Ahrana, which means another, another language or another way to think about It is Shebikesh HaKadosh Baruch So the Holy One sought – to Listom uh, Israel to close up to stop israel 's enemies who sought to make him messiah so um, in other words that somehow rashi's thinking that uh, that israel 's enemies also wanted to make Hezekiah messiah but he but God closed them up he, he stopped the uh, somehow he put a stop to the making of uh, Hezekiah as Messiah, and then and so he kind of just reiterates the Talmud uh, midrash that we just read. But then he says, Mori Rabbi So my teacher and Rabbi interpreted, Shnistam uh, um, Piv Shel Hezekiah Velo Amar Shirah," that it got closed up because God closed up Nistam Piv, closed up Hezekiah's mouth. And he did not utter a song. So, the Rab, uh, Rashi's teacher, and I, I don't remember who that is, but Rashi puts a note here after he quotes what the, he explains the Talmud. He explained He says, "Well, my own teacher told me this is because um, uh, the the closed mem is because God closed Hezekiah's His mouth, mouth so, yeah. so that he would not utter any songs, so that God prevented." Hezekiah from becoming Messiah from being greater than David basically. In other words the the idea that here we have 11th century France Rashi's reading the Talmud and he's his view is the closed mem is there and the meaning of it has to do with God preventing Hezekiah from being Messiah that he had the potential to be but he was held back. Got it. Okay. So That's all it is at this point. Nothing about Virgin birth, nothing about. There is obviously it's tied to the concept of Messiah and the withholding of Messiah coming. That's that's what we can say here at this point. Um, the, the last note I have there on page three is just from Ruth Rabbah, which is a you know post-Talmudic, but it, it it's wrong. It says Lemar Lemarbe written Chaser Mem, lacking a Mem, and that's not even true. It has a Mem. So we see that even in the rabbinic midrash tradition, they they get stories and stories are told about a text, uh, and they're not even going back to actually look at the actual text, text. of Isaiah. Yeah, they're just, they're just the repeating. It becomes – yeah, it becomes yeah, – uh, what do they call it? Uh, telephone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, something about a mem at this – verse. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not there. So just another – and then there's – oh, there's another. I didn't put it on here. There's another medieval midrash that puts that, – that teaches the closed mem is in Hamisrah. The word for government, so it's lemarbe hamisra, and there's one medieval text that says the the closed mem is in the word hamisra, which is not even true. It's, it's <laughs> so you see how that that's what happens when you have Pharisees without scribes. Yeah, right. It just keeps it keeps getting uh, bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's no check, uh, no check at all. Okay, I want to pause there because we're at. I, I can go for a long, a little bit longer, but um. I know this is a lot and uh, I love it cuz this is what I love this is the kind of stuff that I So
1: well what it, I'm seeing what I'm seeing in your notes is that Rashi, Yosef Kara, Avraham Ibn Ezra
0: essentially no, don't exactly it no, doesn't now these are the guys that would because these the reason I chose these guys Rashi and Yosef Kara now this is not Yosef Karo this is not 16th century 17th century Swad. Kabbalist Joseph Caro, author of the Shulchan Aruch. That's not. This is a Yosef Kara. He's a, a contemporary with Rashi. These guys were. They paid attention a bit to the Masoretic tradition. Um, Rashi does not give a comment on his comment. So Rashi writes a commentary on Isaiah, as does Yosef Kara. But they do not talk about in their commentary on Isaiah. They they talk about this passage, but they make no mention there of the closed, the closed mem. mem yeah one thing you know one thing someone <sighs> did rashi which did what rashi write first did he write his commentary on isaiah before he wrote his commentary on sanhedrin or other way around maybe mm-hmm. when it's possible that rashi wrote his commentary on isaiah at a time when he wasn't aware of this closed Close mem. mem yeah uh, tradition. And so that when he did write his commentary on the Babylonian Talmud that he did include it. So there's things that I don't know, you know I'm not claiming to know it, but this is built we build our knowledge. Um Yosef Kara in his commentary on the Torah, he he does mention Masoretic tradition quite a bit. And he has knowledge. So the fact that he in his commentary on Isaiah makes no mention of this is something that's okay. It's, weird. It's, it's something you would look at. You would say yeah. what does Yosef Kara say? Now we get to the we get to 12th century Spain. This is Avraham Ibn Ezra, who was fluent in Arabic. Right, uh, uh, he interacted with because uh, this is Islamic Spain, really. Um, he interacted with with Muslims a lot, and he's an astrologer. He believes in astrology. He believes in all these kind of things. Um, but this is in his commentary on Isaiah nine six. He says, Derek, uh, which means the way of, of the interpretation of the scribes. "Ki hamem sagur," which means the mem is closed. "Ki mem sagur betok betok, means in the middle of hamila is the word. So the mem is according to the the teaching of the scribes. So he calls him sofrim, which is right. The mem. is is closed in the middle of the word vahaya ra'ui basof when it would be appropriate to be basof at the end in other words um the mem is in the middle of the word closed when it would only, it's really appropriate for it to be closed at the, at the end, end.
1: Yeah.
0: and then what does he say he says remez remez means this is a, a hint uh remez laot ha shemes shashav ha which means this is a hint to the sign of the sun. Remember Shemesh's son, Sheshav Hatzel, that, whose um, shadow uh, uh, returned backwards. And then he says, hey see Isaiah, Lachet, uh, uh, which means 38.8. So Ibn Ezra, says, this is like in Isaiah 38, where the sun goes back and the shadow moves back up the stairs. He says, the Mem, at the end of the word, went back. Hmm. <laughs> In, you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he says it's just a hint to later in Isaiah of the sun going, going back. Interesting. So he's saying that he's saying that basically the mem went backwards and now is in the middle, and it's just all it is is a sign to what's coming in Isaiah. Because remember, it's still in Isaiah. Isaiah nine. Sure. Uh, he's, you're going to learn in Isaiah about this miracle of the sun going backwards. And I think he's probably sees the M kind of not like a perfect circle, but it's a, as we'll see later in the Kabbalah on the last page, it's taken to be a ring. Um, uh, so it could be that that, but nothing about the Messiah, uh, nothing about Hezekiah, nothing about a virgin. And he just throws this miracle of the sun going backwards. That's it. Uh, okay, keep and going. He, and, And he's someone who would also be kind of, you'd expect to be in the know. Why doesn't he quote the Talmud here? You know, he's, he's, I don't think he's interested in the Babylonian Talmud uh, at this point, uh, Ibn Ezra. Then we have another uh, uh, medieval scribe, uh, or not scribe, rather a a commentator, who they think is a, a, a disciple of Rashbam, who is Rashi's grandson. So this could be you know, four generations or three or four generations past Rashi, 12th century. Um, he he mentions it in his commentary on Isaiah. Um, he says there's a closed mem here, but then he just – that's all he says. And then he just goes on and interprets it as if it's one word. So here's a, a handful of medieval uh, commentators, Parshanim, that really don't seem They don't,
1: to, even, they don't even touch on and,
0: it. With what was going on in the Talmud, except we do see Rashi in his commentary on the Talmud does make, get into it. Then we have now all of a sudden we have a different emerging mm, idea yeah. here. David, 12- David
1: David Kimchi. Kimchi.
0: It's a I'm playing. I know. Kimchi. My wife makes kimchi. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, David Kimchi in, in southern France. So he's 12th 13th century. And he writes a commentary. He's immersed in Masora much more than Rashi or the, the commentators before him. He's a person that's really he's got some resources in Masora notes. And he says hamem uh, Sutuma bekatuv, which means the mem is uh, he treats it as feminine satuma instead of satum, but it means the mem is closed bekatuv, which means in writing. In the written, in the scriptures. And um, then it says, b'mem but read it with an open mem. So he he's basically reiterating what we see in the, the ma- Masoretes. Yeah, yeah. Masoretic thing. Even though he uses different language, the, the Masoretes say, um, you know, one of eight times where it's two words, read it as one. Or they just said, put, lemarbe, read. Read it, lemarbe. He puts it in his own words. And then he says, uh, "This is the opposite. Behephek say, be Ezra. This is the opposite of in Ezra, Haim And when he says Ezra, he means Nehemiah. So remember, in the medieval time, Ezra Nehemiah is yeah. one book. Yeah. And there's a side note. It's always the last book in the Tanakh.
1: Interesting. So in
0: late Jewish tradition, we put you know Chronicles, but in in our uh, Aleppo Codex, in our uh, Leningrad codex. All the, the scribes put Nehemiah Ezra at the Ezra Nehemiah at the end, but it's called Ezra. Uh, uh, this is the opposite of in Ezra, where you have Haim Prutsim, where the scribes say it's two words but read it as one. So if you notice here, um, I put Sassoon 1053 and Leningrad codex. Sadly, we don't have the Aleppo codex. We don't have for this passage. Otherwise, I'd have it here. So what you see here is heim prutzim. You have an open mem. What they're saying is at the end of a word. So heim prutzim. And then um, now in the Leningrad Codex, you can't really see the space, but look they all run together in the Leningrad. It looks like almost no space. Yerushalayim, Asher, Ham, right? Uh, heim prutsim. But it's talking about the walls of Jerusalem, which are broken down. They're Prutzim, from peretz, which means to breach or uh, broken down. So uh, uh, Rabbi Kimchi here in the 12th, 13th century is saying that this is what we see here in Isaiah is the opposite of what we see in Ezra, which is is Nehemiah 2.13, where we see an open mem at the end of Haim, Haim prutzim. And he says, hamem pitucha besof We have an open mem at the end of the word in writing, the Yeshbo Drash, and there is a teaching for it. And he says, Muchomot Yerushalayim, for as uh just as the walls of Jerusalem will be closed up, uh Shehem Prutzim Koziman hagalut that are broken down throughout the throughout the diaspora or throughout the Galut, which means the dispersion. The galut is the, uh, galut means um, diaspora. Galut in in the rabbinic mind means the temple's destroyed, there is no priesthood, and Jews are all over the land. And so the walls of Jerusalem are prutzim, are broken down throughout the whole time of galut.
1: Okay, hang on just a sec. Now, look, we're coming to the the end of this show because I know that you have to, to leave. You got a lot left here. We can come back to this and you can show us your your uh, Peter makes a good point. You can show us uh, the reason and the proof. but what is what's the point of
0: all of it? Okay, so let's just finish we'll just finish with with David Kimchi. then. What he's saying is at the end here, La eight at the time of salvation, the that which is broken down will be sealed up. the Misra, and the government will open, Shehi setuma, that which is closed, al melachamashiach, by the means of the King Messiah. So David Kimchi, he's you know Rashi's already dead. Rashi's been dead when David Kimchi was born in 1160. Rashi was born 1040. So we're talking 120 year difference here. He's taking it not as the Talmud talks about it, pertaining to the prevention of of Hezekiah becoming Messiah by uh, anointed as Messiah by God. He's not taking it as Ibn Ezra did who was you know roughly 100 years prior. He was seven uh, Kimchi was seven when Ezra died, Ibn Ezra died. He's not taking it about the sun going back. He's he, but he's still holding on to this idea that has to do with Messiah. And he ties it in with uh, the closed mem of Lemar Bay is associated with the open mem that he sees in as uh, in the Masorah Haim Prutzim of the walls being broken down. And he says that the walls of Jerusalem will remain broken down as long as there's exile. Hagalut. Exile, that was the word. It's diaspora but exile. But at the time of salvation, that which is broken down will be stopped up. He uses the word Setam there. Yistamu Haprutzim. The the uh, that which is broken down shall be brought up, and then the government will open that which is closed. So the idea is that this mem will become opened, I guess, and this is going to happen through the Aliyadeh Melech HaMashiach, by means of uh, – at the hands of the king Messiah. So um, that – we can pause there. Well, I, I
1: still want to know what your point is. I mean, even if, even if we come back to it and, and uh, okay. finish, finish your proof and your reason, I want to know what the point is. The point is that,
0: that this tradition has multiple facets. The Midrash – these are each – what we've seen here, it's, a, it's, it's ordering the information. We have the scribal world doing one thing, two words, but, but we're reading them in as one. Then you have the, the world of the Babylonian Talmud. Oh, it's one word, and it's a secret reason, and it's because they were going to make Hezekiah Messiah, but God prevented it and kept his mouth, you know, uh, be, be, prevented it for whatever reason, for his own reasons. Rashi comes along a couple hundred years later and explains, uh, yeah, it has to do with Hezekiah and, uh, you know, not, being, uh, not uttering a song. Etc. Then, but most of these medieval commentators aren't saying anything about it. So it's not a widespread tradition. It's not a real powerful tradition. What you do is we have the seed of it and you see it growing and giving different kinds of of expression in different places. Ibn Ezra in in the 11th, 12th century says nothing about the Messiah. He says something about the sun going back. Uh, And then, but only with David Kimchi. Uh, in the thirteenth century, do we see it really strong messianic tone He's really engaged with the Masoretic tradition um, and he sees it associated with the the walls of Jerusalem being broken down versus being stopped up
1: but we still have no so so let me see if I understand're talking about a virgin
0: birth okay
1: so the point is is that we have strong association in Isaiah nine seven with the Messiah
0: himself, right throughout throughout the tradition. Okay. Exactly. And what what I didn't put here is what we have from the Gospel of Matthew. Unto us a son is born. His name shall be Emmanuel, right? Uh, His government shall be upon his shoulders. Now, not all that's in in Matthew 1. But the idea is that the virgin will give birth is the oldest Jewish tradition we have pertaining to this passage. I don't have it on here because we're just looking at rabbinic world. But the oldest tradition in the background of this are Christians, whether they're Jew or Gentile, behind all of the texts we've looked at, maybe except for the Qumran group, if that if that Isaiah scroll is before the first, is that, if that's first century uh, BC, are saying, but even then, the Greek tradition of Parthenos goes back to maybe 200 BC. So this idea of virgin conceiving, Emmanuel, Um, and then, you know, the government shall be as on his shoulders, all these things. Now I know I'm conflating Isaiah seven with Isaiah, uh, nine here, but they are taken together in, in our tradition pertaining to Yeshua. And that's in the background here. And, and that's where we see it. And we can pick it up next week. If we want to continue this with, uh, Yosef Kaspi, who, who comes a hundred years now later than Kimchi, and he goes, he's really now saying it does not mean virgin. Now, uh, Cosby, this is the, the last citation on page four. It's an extended—I uh, read his whole bit, but I didn't want to translate the whole thing. And, I, and I'm typing all this in. I don't want to type all this in. Um, but he basically says—this is him, and he's in the 14th century. He's saying—he he calls Hebrew Yehudit. He doesn't call it Ivrit. He calls it Yehudit. Mm-hmm. It's better than Aravit, which is Arabic. It's better than Yavan, Greek, all other languages— Ha'alma does not mean the virgin, and he says the closed mem does not mean virgin. So someone in his life, somewhere yeah, said,
1: <laughs> told him,
0: someone's telling him. Yeah. And now, and to all listening, if you encounter, if we can find, this is this would be gold, you know, for building building this uh, this knowledge here, is to find a source prior to Yosef Kaspi. Coming after isn't going to help. We need, we want a, a source pre- earlier than Kaspi. Um, and it doesn't have to be, it could be a Christian who's arguing with a Jew, um, but who is teaching that the closed mem is the closed womb. Yeah. All we have is Yosef Kaspi saying that's not what it means. So that means someone got under him, <laughs> you know, someone prodded him with that. And what does he say? This is his argument. The great Sanhedrin put the closed mem there to so that Jews who know the vowel points and the accents and the creek teeth would be aware of of like false teachings that would come along and that they would, uh, in other words, he argues that the great Sanhedrin, which is a rabbinic imagined thing, you know, at, at the beginning of the second temple era after the Babylonian exile. Um, yeah. They put that closed mem in there to keep us on guard against the false teaching that someone would come around and say that it has to do with the Virgin. Cause he says it does. He uses the word Virgo in Latin. Uh, it does not mean virgo. It does not mean virgin. Uh, so anyway, so so the oral tradition of the kativ and the vowel points help protect Jews from apostasy. That's kind of his theme there. Um, so let's pause there. If we want to next week, we can do the, the you know the real imaginative stuff. If you thought any of that is imaginative. The, the stuff from the Kabbalah is even more so. We still um,
1: have—so we're still in the middle. This is all—for for those listening, this is all a rabbit trail off of uh, this this uh, article by Aish.com, uh, which we need to get back to at some point, too. Uh, next in, in this article is the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, um, which uh, this rabbi is going to tell us has nothing to do with the Messiah. Uh, however— I think he's certainly wrong. Um, So if uh, next week, Rob and I will talk about it. We can jump in somewhere. Anyway, uh, we hope that you will come back and join us as we continue to look through this article. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this before we take off?
0: No, John says, check out Sefer Yetzirah and Sefer Habahir, which I didn't. That's a good point Um, for traditions prior to Cosby that would have a closed mem being a womb. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, John says, check out uh, safer Yitzirah three and uh, safer Hubba here eighty five. Eight Chaim's later, so that that's not going to help, but it would show at least the continuation of that tradition. So thanks, John. Maybe you could email those to me if you have them. I don't know where it, I have those somewhere on my computer. Um,
1: cool. All right, guys. Well, hey, we will um, be back next week, and we will continue. At some point, we'll get to the suffering servant. And there's a lot more that we got to talk about. Um, thank you to Rob for putting together uh, such an in-depth study of uh, Isaiah 9-7. And uh, the different nuances that we see within uh, rabbinic tradition and also within history. And uh, I think the point, the point that you made about the, the, the uh, Gospels being the earliest Jewish text that we have of this, relating it to a virgin is probably one of the best points that I, I think I heard, it, that really struck home to me, I think. Uh, But no matter what, what we can say is that uh, our Messiah was born of a virgin. And that does one thing. It shows us that he is to be glorified. We're supposed to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah.